Hello and welcome back to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Schwan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Schwan CFL or Mike Schwan on Instagram. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Taylor Curry SK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and on Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. Don't forget to follow the show. You can follow us at True North CF Pod on Instagram and Twitter and True North Canadian Football Podcast on YouTube. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So let's jump into our news real quick. And we aren't going to address the elephant in the room right away. And I'm going to tell you why right now. Is I like to keep the show PG, but. For this segment, uh, we are going to go the boys route, and this is going to be, or that part is going to be rated R. I will put a warning in front of it, so if your kids are listening or whatever, maybe skip ahead a little bit in the episode, but otherwise, we're good to go. So let's jump into the news. Ticats sign veteran punter John Ryan. The Elks bring in former five star recruit. Ishan Lucier South and Canadian wide receiver Ante Aguavin. Taylor Cornelius is announced as the Elks starter ahead of their game against Montreal this week. And in the following move, the Elks traded Nick Arbuckle to the Red Blacks in exchange for a fourth round pick in next year's draft. The Elks also signed Jalen Guthrie and bring back Canadian quarterback Michael Beaudry as well as Malik Sonier. And Hamilton also released Canadian running back Malik Irons. Interesting. And Matt Nichols is officially retired. I know when he was seen, and I believe it was the Elks game, people were wondering, is he maybe going to come back? Because... Some teams obviously yes. need a quarterback after he, last week, he, but that's crazy. And he had history there too, so it kind of made the most sense. Yeah, but he officially said he's done with football, so we can put those rumors to bed. Now we're gonna address the elephant in the room. So, boys, you're given permission to use any words you would like. I am taking the PG rating off. And again, if you have children or Generally, do not like cursing. I would advise you to skip uh, a couple minutes ahead in this episode because we are going to have an unfiltered discussion about Derek Marino's actions in the Riders' bout against Ottawa. And I know I had very strong opinions on this, and I'm sure you guys both do as well. So, we'll, yeah, let's get into it. We'll cover the news and then uh, we'll give our thoughts. Okay, so Marino officially got. A four-game suspension, and the suspension is broken down as such. Two games for the hit on Mazzoli, one for racial comments, and one for dirty the dirty play before the Mazzoli hit. And then Mazzoli also put out a statement. I'm going to pull it up, and we can read this together, if my document will cooperate oh, with me. Oh, that's a, that's a long statement. It's, yeah, it's pretty long. We should yeah, just summarize statement. Okay, it is, it is a yeah. bit too lengthy, but yeah. Uh, we, we won't Parental read it. Parental warning's going to be longer than the segment. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> well if you want to read that, Mazzoli put it out on his Twitter. So if you want to go and read that, I'll just tell you his Twitter handle, and you can go and read this. 
is jmazzoli8. So if you want to go and read that, go to his Twitter. But basically mentions uh, the TLDR. Marino still hasn't apologized to him publicly or privately. He's disappointed that uh, there was only one game suspension for racial comments. And then was there anything else that was meaningful that you guys saw in there? Oh, yeah, he, I mean, he just, I guess we can swear, he just shit on the league and uh, shit on Dickinson and uh, for not doing anything and backing his player and stuff. And uh, yeah, he didn't like what Marino did either. So no, it's, I mean, Marino got what he got coming. I, I yeah. get it was retaliation, but like it, it doesn't make it right. And he took it way too far. And yeah, like it's, I don't know if four games is enough for what happened, but I mean, they're trying to send a message with this. And hopefully the message gets through to Garrett Marino, especially. Well, here's two things that I think is interesting here. And I, uh, I'm getting a bit of a blowback while I'm talking here. So I'm going to move my mic a little bit away. Um, so taking a look here, um, one, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have announced that the, um, that they will not be cutting Garrett Marino for his actions. And two, yeah, when you have players like Nate Bahar, who's doing a full rant to TSN, swearing and saying that you were going to the keg and talking to them, talking your shit, who cares? Dog, they're, they're at a dinner, like, put your dick away, play football <laughs> the right way for once in your 12-game career, which, you like, you got suspended for a third of the amount of games that you've played so far. This is the biggest suspension for in-game antics that the CFL has ever done. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's important to mention because some people are saying, why is this not longer? I think the longest suspension before this has been two games. Yeah. So you essentially double the longest suspension in CFL history with this. So I think that is important to mention. Do I think it could have been longer? I think you probably could have added one more for the racial comments for sure. But overall, within the context, I could probably live with this. Uh, I guessed it would be three, but I'm happy with I, four. So I hope I hope that Garrett Marino goes on Twitter and reads um, Masoli's mother's post and oh, really he, absorbs what he is not said. on social media. Like he shouldn't be. Yeah, but he is. He should, but he shouldn't be, you know? He what do you mean be, Taylor he is? Because I have not seen a word from him on Twitter since this happened. Oh. No, well, no, he no. Like, he's, he's he hasn't publicly said media, stuff, but like, we, we saw that one thing that he said. Oh, that was fake. That was fake? Yes. That, that did look fairly okay, fake. Yeah, that, that was definitely I, I fake. Yeah. It's all looking, good. Sorry. It's all good, yeah. Someone <laughs> sent a meme where they DM'd Marino something, and he said something back. That's That's fake. Don't worry about okay. that. Good to know. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, he has been radio silent, and Mazzola confirmed that, yeah, no, he hasn't apologized in private. And if you had any doubt in Marino's character, uh, I think that doubt should be eliminated by now, because if he hasn't apologized either in private and public, for not only injuring the guy and taking money away from his family, uh, but also celebrating after, like a dumbass. Uh, <laughs> and I, for those who don't know, I sit right behind the rider bench. Like, literally, I'm on row three on the 55-yard line. If you come and find me, it is fine. But that is 
where I sit. So I had the perfect view of everything when this happened. So what happened is Marino was running off. One guy went to Mazzoli, immediately ran after Marino. Don't know if he heard him, but then Jalen Acklin was right there, got in his face. Marino started flexing like an idiot. And then that's when all the Ottawa players came over. And there was oh, fights. Police was screaming. Yeah, there was fights going on. And as they're trying to break up the fights, Marino walks up to him, starts doing it again. Like, doesn't just, doesn't walk away like a mature professional athlete. Decides to behave like a dipshit teenager. And as they're trying to break up fights, he's going right up to them and flexing and kind of restarting it again. And. This guy was being such a fucking idiot on the sidelines. And now, I, I've never seen anything like that before. Like, I've seen a guy with the old mosaic. There was a guy trying to attack a ref who was getting ejected. I've seen that. I have never seen a guy, like, intentionally do that, trying to prolong kind of a what was essentially a bench brawl on the rider's side. I will say, like, the thing with injuries and, like, I remember that um, our CFL chat, which is mostly Saskatchewan Rider fans, and I don't know if that's going to pertain much, but just for the sake of like being honest, right? Um, there was a player that got injured in the in a bomber game last year, and I don't know who it was. It was a guy on not on the bombers, but it was at IG Field. And after the play, Jack, uh, not Jackson Jeff, uh, Willie Jefferson did a backflip. Because he was celebrating the sack that he had gotten, and he didn't know that somebody had gotten injured. Yeah, and this is the equivalent to him turning around, seeing the guy on the ground doing the L dance and just doing another backflip. Yeah, that yeah, that's exactly. basically the equivalent. Because like, like if he, yeah, if you get up, if you get up and you're flexing after a sack, like yeah, that's, that's one thing. Fair. Yeah. But like when you turn around and you see that, oh, I've hurt this person, and I did it in a way that could very easily look like it was on purpose because. 95% of people think that this was on purpose. Yep. And then you flex again, that's when you're going to get into trouble. I think that this I think this is a one game suspension if he doesn't flex at all. Cuz I don't think yeah. anything else gets called into question and yeah. and, and there's no bench clearing brawl. Um I think it's a one game suspension. But if he exactly. acts like a professional athlete is supposed to act, shuts up and runs to the sideline like he was well what he should have done. Yeah, it's probably one game. But because he decided to act like a child, he got four. And I think saying child, there is a word that I know I gave the green light to say anything you want. I am holding back on that word because it's very offensive. But yeah, um, I'll say this much. Uh, him saying, according to Nate Bahar, uh, racist shit in the pile, um, that is not first time i've heard that allegation i've heard that allegation before twice that he does this in the pile all the time so hearing that from nate bahar i'm not surprised and i don't know like as someone whose family has been prominent member of the riders at different points um i just i'm embarrassed I'm ashamed and I am astounded that he's not he's still on this team and they said they won't cut him. Like what the what the hell? Like I know 
I know under Craig Reynolds there's been some weird shit going on, but you can't excuse this. Like, there is no fucking excuse for this. Did like, you see Rider his fans, comments about all this? Hold on, we'll get to that. But <laughs> as if you're a Ryder fan defending this, don't. Shut up. There are better hills to die on than this one. Like, you can argue all day if the hit was that bad or not. No one gives a shit about that. What people give a shit about is him celebrating after he injured a player for a prolonged period. A player who had to be carried off the field by two players. And he is over on the other sideline, fucking flexing in people's faces like an idiot. But that's what people are mad about. And if you can't figure that out, take your goddamn green shades off and figure it out. But, um... I'll say this, uh, as a lesson in character and for Ryder fans in their defense. So, a lesson in character here. While Marino is acting like a complete dipshit on the sidelines, Cody Fajardo immediately runs out there and is talking to Mazzoli. If you are a young athlete, I would advise you to be more like Cody and don't be a dipshit like Marino. And the second thing is he got booed out of the stadium, Marino. People, when Mazzoli was getting carried off, he was getting a round of applause from everybody. But on the Jumbotron, as soon as they cut to Marino, people were booing him like crazy. And it wasn't just my section, because I thought, because again, we saw everything, everybody was booing. And I guess in a couple friends who were also at that game, yeah, they said their sections were booing too. But I had some, some guy on Twitter claim to be there was like, Oh, what about the the dudes like clapping when he was leaving? I can't account for all twenty plus thousand people in the entire stadium, some of whom didn't see any of the fight because they weren't obviously playing it on the jumbotron. Uh, I can't account for those people, but everybody who saw it was booing them. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting. And oh, holy crap, uh, this gets even worse. Uh, with Craig Dickinson and what he had to say about this. Uh, oh, God. Taylor, do you want to take this one? Well, just basically to summarize it, because we're we're heavy on this. Um, he just said, like, uh, Marino has black friends and a black girlfriend. He can't be racist. And yep. he, that's just not something you can say. Are you fucking serious? Come out- <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had to come out and apologize for it. And it's just, yeah, it's... Our organization does not look good right now. I'll yeah, this that. is a bad look. Like, it's people didn't like Chris uh, Jones, and Chris Jones was accused of racism, but this is like a whole nother level. Like, holy yeah, crap, exactly. you know? And it, this very much just reminds me of a situation where it's like, oh, we're pouring water on the grease fire. Yep. Like, yeah, exactly. Just, it's not working, whatever you're doing. Yep. Um... And again, as someone who is, has had prominent members of their family be members of the writers' organization, including two of them that were on the board of directors at one point, this is fucking embarrassing. Like, if I'm on that board, I want an explanation right now why this guy's still on my roster. And, like, just who in PR okayed the Craig Dickinson statement? Because someone had to, they had to plan this shit because it's not like it's something like this that is already heated you have a pr guy 
It says, okay, this is the gist of what you're going to say. Go and say it. You know? They don't just let coach shoot from the hip. And if they are doing that, someone needs to be fired. Because holy crap, what he said, again, like you said, pouring water on a grease fire. But this is this is just an embarrassment. If, if you're a Ryder fan or an organization, or, you know, you're a Ryder fan, you need to be embarrassed right now. Because holy crap, this is, this is really bad. But I think I think we can finish the rant unless there is anything else you guys wanted to add. Yeah, no, no let's, let's let's move let's on. Let's move on. All right, let's yep. move on. All right, back to PG podcasting. So let's jump into Calgary Shellacking Edmonton. 49 to 6 in the Elks home stadium. So let's get to kind of the big part of this game. How detrimental Will Trey Ford's injury be to the Elks? Well, they haven't had a shining star at quarterback to begin with this year, so I don't think he's the be-all, end-all of this team. Like, Arbuckle was not the guy. Loxley, uh, anyone that's played there at quarterback this year is not the guy. So I don't think that is going to be the biggest hit to them because they're just already on the bottom. Yeah, I think the thing with me is that, like, you're stifling his progress. So I don't think like in the in the next couple of games I won't I don't think it would have meant much but like the weeks after that where he would have become more comfortable with the team those are the weeks that you're going to see like wins that become losses like wins that should be wins turn into yeah. losses yeah because yeah he just won't have that experience with the team at that point where he should before the injury before the injury happened for sure and for me at least I look at this and I think Trey Ford gave them hope. That is kind of the thing there. I think he offered an aspect to the game that Nick Arbuckle didn't, in that he was kind of a dual-threat quarterback, but his arm was capable. And I was really excited to see what he could do, because he was just such a good, you know, it was a good story. And I thought that, hey, maybe this guy can be okay. But... Given what we saw from Nick Arbuckle after he got after uh, Ford got injured, and they ended up replacing him with a receiver who was a converted quarterback because Nick Arbuckle was so bad, not because he got hurt, because he was so bad that they had to replace him. Like that's, I don't I don't know what they have a quarterback if it's going to be any good. I know we talked about Cornelius, maybe he's okay. But, yeah, I really don't think any of their alternatives are as good as Ford, so I think they're back in the basement, at least for now. And then, this is a dated one, but we talked about that. Loxley Arbuckle both look bad, so let's say if Cornelius sucks, and what, what do you do? Do you go back to Loxley, or do you go Mike Beaudry, who they just signed back or what do you do well they've already announced that taylor cornelius is the starter and i think if they're going back to anyone i think it would be loxley if if he can't do anything but i think they're going to put their eggs in that basket for now like they're it's tough because there's nobody to trade for at this point uh you know unless you're going after vernon adams or trevor harris but i don't see that being a likely thing so yeah it's it's uh 
Oh, Edmonton is just in very bad shape right now. Yeah, right. I almost want to say, does it even matter? Exactly. It really doesn't. Like, this team is just in such a bad spot right now. And, like, the one game that they won was essentially luck. And it's just, oh, no. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess you go Loxley. Just, I think there's more upside there. But, again, it's like, how long, like, how many wins are you going to get out of him short term? Because I'm assuming you're passing the reins back to Ford once he comes back. Yeah. So it's just like in the short term, you don't have anybody who's going to win you football games right now. And so this team, this team, look like I genuinely, this team could be like a two win team going into Labor Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet they will be. But here's the other thing. If you do put Loxley in, and this like Kenny Lawler had five attempts two catches last week for seven yards loxley had two catches for 61 yards yeah he was i think he was actually their leading receiver and he was playing quarterback yeah exactly like so i'm just like you're taking one of your weapons off the field but you have like they still have manny arsenault darrell walker and kenny lawler and they just like none of the quarterbacks can find a way to use those good targets yeah yeah, those are good players you know? Yeah, and right now I don't think it matters who's behind center because the options that they have, you're yeah, like Carter said, they're two wins going into Labor Day, if that. If Ford is out for the season, uh, I feel like you almost have to trade for somebody. Like I feel like Vernon Adams or Trevor Harris um, are names I would consider, depending on how long Trey Ford is out. If he's out for a couple of weeks. I think you suck it up with Cornelius, but if he's out kind of in the Mazzoli range of 10 to 12 weeks, then I feel like you kind of, I feel like a trade should be on the table. And then, uh, does this win give Calgary some more legitimacy? And yeah. Okay. So we'll stop oh. with that. More legitimacy. Oh no, yeah. Just a hundred percent. I mean, it's Edmonton, but it was still another blowout for them. They're undefeated. Like I, besides Winnipeg, they're the best team in the league right now. Like everyone else has had their faults, but Calgary and Winnipeg haven't. So, uh, yeah, like they're. I mean, we showed our power rankings. They're number two in my power rankings this week, just because I like if they are playing anybody right now. I don't know who can beat them besides Winnipeg. Um, I don't think it gives them as much legitimacy as you're saying because it's specifically Edmonton. But that being said, I do believe that they are. At at the bare minimum, top three, and yeah, most likely for a lot of people, top two. For me, I'm a little bit lower than consensus, and I know some people are going to call me a hater for that. I don't care. Um, I have them fourth in my rankings because I think there's three teams that right now could Calgary, but at the same time, uh, I do feel a little bit more confidence in Bo after this game. I thought he looked better. Um, yeah, for the team as a whole, you beat a team that was using a wide receiver at quarterback, so I don't think it adds too much legitimacy. And then, follow-up to this question, are they a top-tier team now in your mind? Oh yeah, for sure. They're top three, for sure, easily. Um, yeah, no, in my opinion, I think I've got them, where do I got them? Yeah, I have them at three, so yeah, absolutely top three. Even as I say that I have them at four, I think they're in the top tier of teams, which the top tier of teams for me is like Grey Cup contenders. 
the West, but Edmonton's yeah, it, not it, there. It's the West yeah. except for Edmonton, basically. So <laughs> I feel like, yeah, this is a... They're in that top tier of teams now. Before, I wasn't too sure, but now I think they are. Um, they have another convincing win this week. Uh, they're definitely moving up, but for me, I need to see them do it against a Winnipeg or a BC before I'm convinced. And then... Okay, so we were on that one. And then let's jump into the game that we just had a rant about. So Saskatchewan defeated the Ottawa Red Blacks 28-13. So how big of a loss is Jeremiah Mazzoli for the Red Blacks? Oh, huge. He was like their shining star. I mean, he's been throwing for at least like 250 yards a game pretty much consistently this year. So... Yeah, like it's going to be huge. And I know they don't even have a win yet, but like I don't see that win coming in their future now with with uh, Caleb Evans or even Nick Arbuckle because before Nick Arbuckle left, he's two touchdowns and eight interceptions this year. Like he's not the answer. He's a Band-Aid. So I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be detrimental to that team. Yeah, because like, I mean, Ottawa's, I think, like one of the best winless teams that I've seen ever. And a big piece of that was just the fact that they had that explosion factor, and that was from Masoli. Like, that was mm -hmm. pure Masoli being able to just will the ball to go exactly to where it needed to be to get that big play, whether it was, like, just, like, a 40-yard dot or whatever. It was all just perfect whenever he needed it to be, and he didn't have the supporting cast, and now that, you know, the rest of the supporting cast doesn't have the lead role, it might get bad, or it will get bad, excuse me. I'm kind of with you on that. For me, it's... I I, I don't think Arbuckle is the answer. Uh, with Nick Arbuckle as a quarterback, I honestly just throw out my hands and chuck my notes, because he looked like he was getting progressively better uh, from kind of game one to game three for Edmonton, and then they pulled him for Trey Ford, so I don't know what to think. And then when he came in for Ford, he laid an absolute stinker. So to me, I honestly don't know what to think of Arbuckle anymore. Um, again, I don't think he's the answer. I think you're probably best off going with Caleb Evans. I think he offers a bit more dynamic of a player. So for me, Wasson is only, it basically, you, you've lost your season at this point now that Mazzoli is gone because <laughs> they had they I think Carter's right they were the kind of the best winless team because they were competitive against like really legitimate competition and then yeah they just didn't luck didn't go their way so I just <laughs> yeah I think that's a huge loss for them and then does this game instill more confidence for you in the Ryder offense who's kind of been shaky at times this season you know uh i haven't had you know it's it's been good like i don't think it's been that bad cody's top tied for top three for passing touchdowns and he's in the top three for passing yards too so we're doing good like the running game has i mean from what we thought it was going to be or me myself i guess to what it is now it's way better than i thought it was uh our receivers are playing decent. They could like we could get a little more deep down the field, but we're getting there. It's still, you know, we're five weeks in, going into six now. So uh I wouldn't say it instilled more confidence, but I def definitely didn't lose any confidence for sure. I just think I think our offense is decent as it is. 
yeah, that like the offense was never really something that I was super stressed about for uh, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, especially like, I mean, maybe there was like the running backs was a situation that I was like maybe a little bit questionable on, but like they've been able to prove themselves over the uh, over the length of however long that we've been playing now for the past month and a half almost. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I wouldn't say that this necessarily added any um confidence because I mean it's not like with with some of the scores that we've seen put up this season 28 isn't anything super super remarkable but it's by no means uh, an easy score to get so i think that yeah i think that it's just like maybe the littlest bit more confidence i'm i'm more confident and i'll tell you why it's because with the riders offense this year they've been really good in spurts and they've just been kind of like meh for the rest of the game and i feel like this is the first kind of complete game i've seen for the offense where they they looked good throughout the entire game it wasn't like they just they were terrible in one half and figured it out in the other type of thing so for me it instills more confidence that the offense is kind of playing four quarters now so that's kind of where i'm at with it and then oh okay i guess we're skipping that question um, just going back to the Marino situation. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Yeah, we don't need let's to do move that. on. All right. So, in the battle of the sexiest team in the West versus the defending Grey Cup champions, Winnipeg down the Lions, forty-three to twenty-two. So, what were some keys to success for Winnipeg in this game? Uh, I mean, it was it was stopping Nathan Rourke at home. Like that's where nobody's been able to do that yet, and they humbled him. I mean, he still threw three touchdowns, but two picks in the game. Uh, he ended up getting pulled. I know it was kind of like a, a high score, but you know, it it just didn't look good. Like they they stopped that that offense that has been unbeatable. You know, forty plus points all games or every game this year, pretty much. So like that, I think was the biggest factor for the game. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've seen, and obviously being a Bomber fan, I've watched the Blue Bomber games more closely. Um, I think it's just the fact that all three phases were finally able to just all have a good night at once. Like, <laughs> it was just the most complete game that we've seen. And the reason why the other games have been so close is because, yeah, there's been some sort of a struggle. Whether the offense just wasn't able to really pick it up or the defense was letting them get too close a couple of times. Like, this was just the first time where we saw just really strong defense, uh, an offense that was taking advantage of every opportunity. And yeah, Mark Leggio missed a couple of field goals at the end, but if you're going to miss field goals, you might as well hit the early ones, get a huge lead, then start missing. Fair enough. And for me, I think it was just keeping the ball out of Rourke's hands because Winnipeg dominated the time of possession in this game. And I thought that was a huge... I think that was probably the biggest factor in their win because BC's defense is relative to their offense. I think their offense is the strength of their game. So keeping their offense off the field, I think, was kind of the single biggest key to success for Winnipeg. But overall, I thought their offense looked really good in general. So full credit to Winnipeg for playing a complete game. And then what does BC need to work on so they can kind of, this doesn't happen again next game? 
Uh, well, they need to establish the run game better. Uh, Butler only had what thirty six yards on the thirty three yards on the ground, and like, uh, not like Rourke didn't even run once that game. He couldn't. But if that means that the O lines having problems with really good D lines, they're not gonna like you run into Winnipeg in the playoffs and you're done, and they're not gonna make it pass. So that to me is what they really need to work on the next game. And I guess it's like they did let 43 points up against them, which is the highest score they've had against them so far. So I'd say another thing they need to work on is that uh, the defensive backs, because Claro's had almost 300 yards and three touchdowns in the air. So that seems to be a big factor. Like Dalton shown alone, that guy just 117 yards and two touchdowns like that. That's a problem. If you're letting a, Nothing against him because he's a great player, but if you're letting a rookie do that against like you're supposed to be shut down defense, then there's a problem. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, the one thing I will say about Nathan Rourke is that, like, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, he is a newer quarterback. Um, I think he needs to work. Um, I think he needs to focus on not getting flustered if he goes down early. I think this was the first situation where he really found himself in a hole, right? And yeah. And I only really saw success from him when he was just sort of yeeting the ball down the field and like it was working. But how often is your strategy going to be yeeting the ball down the field and hoping that it works? There, you know, exactly. Yeah. For me, uh, I think the pass rush needs work. I don't think they were getting to Kalaros that much. I think they they gave him a lot of time back there to kind of sit back and do what Zach Kalaros does and pick apart their defense. So for me, I thought that was kind of their biggest problem. The offense, uh, yeah, establishing the run, I'd probably say, because I know that was a huge problem for BC last year, but I thought they had figured that out, but I guess not. And then, is Rourke going to slow down this season uh, now that teams understand the Lions' offense a little bit better? You know, I, I honestly think he will a bit. I'm not going to say he's not going to be the shining star he has been, but the past two weeks he's thrown two interceptions in each game. So I think people are starting to kind of figure it out. Like you said, you can't just chuck it deep all the time and hope for the best. So I think he will still stay in that top three. Yeah, top three all season, but I don't think, or sorry, but I definitely do think he's going to slow down a bit now. Yeah, no, I, I do think that, um, this BC team is still a new core, and it's being led by a new quarterback. And there's a obviously a ton of um of positives to take away. Um, but that being said, it's like I don't see this uh this BC Lions team that's just dominating everybody all the time. Like uh, that's not gonna last. Um, the team's not built for it at this point. Um, but that being said, am I worried about them in the long term? Absolutely not. Fair enough, and for me, I, I'm not too worried. I think usually it takes about three weeks for teams to figure out a quarterback, so that's sort of where I'm at with that. When it comes to Rourke, he's definitely looked a bit more human the last couple of weeks, but I still think he's probably the best quarterback in the league, so I'm not too concerned if I'm BC. So on to the power rankings. For me, Winnipeg is back at number one. BC number two. I still think they're the second best team in the league. Saskatchewan, I think, is number three for now. That might change next week for me. 
and green goggles. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I'm probably the least biased person on here, but hey, oh, you got Saskatchewan above Calgary. Wow. I know. I say that, but I explain this thoroughly. I think you beat a team without a quarterback. Congratulations, you know. So they're still at four, yeah. but that gap is narrow for me. Yeah, and they're still undefeated. True, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and then I got Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. Hamilton and the quarterbackless Elks in the basement. <laughs> I like that. That was good. Uh, yeah, no, I got Winnipeg at one. Uh, they're just, yeah, unstoppable. I thought they were going to get their butts handed to them a little bit last week and that the opposite happened. So uh, then I got Calgary at two. They just, yeah, undefeated. Bo is rolling right now. Then I got BC at three. One loss is in the end of the world. Sask at four. Uh, Montreal at five, and then in the dumpsters here, we got Toronto, Ottawa, Hamilton, and Edmonton, just because all those teams are kind of garbage right now. Four-team basement, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That is nuts. For myself, I have got Winnipeg at the top, I've got BC in second, I've got Calgary in my top three. Um, I always try and envision when I'm doing like a power rankings, I always try and think of like, and obviously it doesn't always fit into this, but I try and think of like a top three, middle three, bottom three. Um, and then I have um, Saskatchewan in fourth. I have Montreal right in the middle. It's like the perfect example of just the team that is in the middle, as, you know, <laughs> yeah. as we all have them at number five. Uh, <laughs> Toronto number six, Ottawa number seven. And then I actually have the last two flipped. I have Edmonton in eighth and Hamilton in ninth. And the only reason I have it that way is because, well, one of them has a donut beside their name. And the other one doesn't. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And then let's jump on to CFL Fantasy here. Woo. So best positional options. We're looking at a quarterback first. I've got Fajardo, Levi Mitchell, Trevor Harris, if he plays, and Zach Kolaros. Is there any other quarterback on your list of considerations for this week? No, I don't, I really don't think there can be. And like in my personal opinion, yeah, like you got it right. I got Zach in my lineup this week, and that's I think that's the way people should go this week. Um, for myself, I am rolling on the Zach Caleros train for uh for this week. Um, hosting the Calgary Stampeders, I think that they're going to be leaning on him pretty heavily. They've been leaning on him more since you know Andrew Harris isn't there, and I think that he's starting to uh to accept that pressure and starting to thrive with it. Fair enough. I think with me, I'm going with Kolaros just because of the nature of his low floor. Uh, this might change depending on if Harris starts. I might swap those picks, but we'll see. And then at running back, I have four options. I have Jamal Morrow, Kadeem Carey, William Powell, and Jeshurun Antwi. Anybody yeah, else? No, I got Morrow and Powell in my lineup, and that's, yeah. I think Morrow's been really consistent this year. He's been in my lineup every week. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, they seem to be the way to go. Um, For myself, I am rolling with Powell and Antwi. I'm very, very high on Powell because somebody's got to show out for Ottawa this week. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. Somebody has. To. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, imagine, could you imagine all of this and then they just go out and get smoked? I'd be so sad. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I'm not even an Ottawa fan, and I would just be so sad. I know. Like Ottawa has been through hell these last like two seasons. They finally get a quarterback, 
and now they're back to where they started. So yeah, that that's got to be heartbreaking. But for me, I picked Moro and Antwi this week. I might change the Antwi pick depending on if I pick a defense or not, though. And then wide receiver, I've got Ellingson, Tim White, Malik Henry, Stephen Dunbar, KSB, Manny Arsenault, Nate Bahar, Dalton Schoen, Luther Hakunavanu, and Reggie White. I'm adding one more to the list, and his name, friend of the show, Curly Gittens Jr. I just think if anybody's going to have a game for Toronto, it'll be him. And he's been he's been pretty consistent this year. Um, for myself, I've got the trio of receivers, including one that uh, I don't think is on the list. I might have two, actually, that aren't on the list. Oh, all right. Uh, I am rolling with Stone. I am rolling with Brandon Banks, because I think we have just seen enough Ooh. of the I, I, I think the tables have got a turn for him. He he is good, and he has had too much bad press. I am very much a, like, this is my gut feeling type of fantasy player. So Fair enough. That's my, and then I've also got Eugene Lewis. The gut play sometimes works, I'm not going to lie. Eugene Lewis has been quiet I mean, lately. Brand, so Brandon Banks used to be like 14... Thousand and now he's the most expensive, and now he's sixty four hundred. I am still in of the opinion that he is a system wide receiver, and that got exposed last season with Hamilton. But for me, I I see, I see where you're coming from. Uh, He had a nice game to start the year, so maybe they go back to that. And then for defenses. I have Saskatchewan, whose defense always seems to get points, and then Hamilton, if you think very little of Cornelius, or if he's bad enough, Kyle Loxley. So, is there anyone there that you would sub? No, I don't. I mean, if you're feeling risky, maybe Winnipeg's, but you're almost spending $4,200 on that. So, uh, yeah, I think you got it right with Hamilton or Saskatchewan. Yeah, I'm not rolling with the uh um like I'm not rolling with the defense well, right now to be honest. That's fair. You could I was going to say you could maybe suggest Montreal's defense going up against that crappy Elks team right now. Yeah. They might do something this week. True. I just think uh Hamilton, I believe they're up against Ottawa and Ottawa has no quarterback, so they might Neither get bullied Edmonton. and Hamilton is desperate right now. So I think Chris Jones is too, but yeah, no, fair point for sure. Yeah. And for value picks, I have Picton, uh, Kyle Oxley, and Cam Phillips. Is there anybody else that you would include in that? No, I would say Dalton Schoen, but he's above the limit now, so. Yep. <laughs> Dalton yeah, Schoen, no. and, uh, and I, I've always been, uh, I've always been partial to Drew Walatarski as well because he'll have his he'll have his couple big plays, but he is six dollars above the limit. So, <laughs> yeah, fair. I know Shone finally graduated from the value list. He's on my list that, of normal receivers. Like, that, looked, that took two weeks more than it should have. Oh, a hundred percent. And then let's go into our locks. And I put this in uh, as soon as I saw that he was still fairly cheap. Dalton Shone for only thirty eight hundred. Give me that all day. Yeah, it's a hell of a pick. I got uh, Stephen Dunbar as my lock this week. No matter what happens in Hamilton, he's getting over 10 points a game. So I think he is a good lock to have on your team this week. So I'm actually going with uh, I'm going with William Powell. I alluded to it earlier, but yeah, somebody's got to have a show-out performance in, 
in Ottawa, and I think that it's going to be William Powell. That's fair. And for predictions, and we're going to add something to predictions because we we got rid of game time cues. But we don't really talk too much about next week's game, so I wanted to add something. So we're going to do this uh, experimental segment called One Thing You're Looking Forward To. So for each game, we're just going to quickly mention something that we want to see next game. So for my predictions, I'm 15 and 4. And the first game, Edmonton versus Montreal. I have Montreal winning, and something I am curious to see is the quarterback play from Montreal. Uh, yeah, I got. I, I have Montreal this week too, and my thing I am looking forward to for this game is going to be the defense. I'm really excited to see if they can put on a big show for the fans in Montreal this week. Um, so I am picking Montreal, but I am excited to see um if the uh if the Edmonton Elks quarterbacking situation is going to be as much of a dumpster fire as we think it's going to be sure and then the next game is Calgary versus Winnipeg I have Winnipeg winning this game and one thing I am excited to see in this game is it is Calgary for real or is Winnipeg gonna cook them because they cooked the Lions and I didn't think Calgary is as good as the Lions so yeah, well, exactly. I, I'm going the same way. I got Winnipeg uh, beating Calgary, but my thing I'm excited to see is going to be uh, the quarterback battle, just because you got two of the league's best quarterbacks going head-to-head, two undefeated teams, kind of the leaders of the team, so it's going to depend on their play, I think, to see like who's going to win the game, because if Bo has an off game, they will capitalize on that. And same with... Uh, Calgary with Winnipeg. Like if Caleros, if they get him on an off night, Calgary will find a way to capitalize. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Winnipeg and I'm excited to see if the uh, Blue Bombers are going to be able to keep the sort of all three phases having a good night and playing a full four quarters of football um, rolling because that was a big thing last year was that they were able to play super, super strong the entire way through and they've kind of had their dead spots so far this year. Um, in each game, with the exception of the BC one, so I am uh, I am excited, hoping to see another full, complete game from the boys. Fair enough. And the next game is Touchdown Atlantic, by the way. So this game is in Wolfville, uh, just outside of Halifax. It is Saskatchewan versus Toronto. I have Saskatchewan winning this one, and one thing I am excited for is the attendance. I want to see how well Atlantic Canada. Shows out for this game. I know when when they normally play at Moncton, it's usually pretty packed. So I am kind of curious to see uh how how good the attendance is. Oh, that's that's a good point. Uh, I'm picking Saskatchewan as well in that game. But the thing that I am interested to see is if all this Merino stuff is going to distract the Riders, and like this could be an upset win for Toronto this week. Like if. If the riders are too in their heads about all this stuff going on and it's like they're distracted, I could see Toronto winning this game. So that that's gonna be mine. Is that is this gonna is the Marino stuff gonna affect how the riders play this week? Yeah, so uh I'm I'm taking the flip side here. Um and I'm gonna go with the Toronto Argonauts. I just feel like you know, I, it's weird. It's so weird watching this Toronto team. They win games that they shouldn't, they lose games that they should win. Like it's 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 a whole weird thing, but what I'm excited about is that um Brett Lothar hails from just just 
um, a little bit away from where they're playing this game. He grew up in Truro, Nova Scotia. I'm excited to see him play in uh, for the touchdown Atlantic game. Fair enough. And then next game is Ottawa versus Hamilton. I have Hamilton getting the dub. Uh, I just think Velasa Mazzoli is so big for the Red Blacks, and Hamilton is hungry. Like, I know the last game versus the Elks was a must win, but if you don't win this game, like, you deserve to be relegated at this point. So I am, <laughs> I'm going with Hamilton. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I'm going the same way. I'm picking Hamilton this week. The thing I'm excited to see is if I, I don't know if excited is the right word, but uh, I'm curious to see if Hamilton will blow a lead this week like they have the past <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> you like you never know that maybe. Yeah, maybe they're going to have a big win. Mazzoli or sorry. And Dane Evans is going to have a good game. But then maybe they're going to let up in the second and or third and fourth quarter and Ottawa gets their first win of the season and shocks us all. So that, that could be really interesting. That's what I'm excited for. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am going with the Ottawa Red Blacks because I just truly believe in my soul of souls that Hamilton is incapable of winning a football game. <laughs> um, it what feels I, like it. Yeah. yeah. For what I'm excited to see is, yeah, I just, you know, it all comes back to the Marino drama. I'm excited to see how much fire they come out with. That is true. Now, for off-the-pod activities, for me, uh, I've been playing a lot of Conflict of Nations lately. Uh, PC Mobile strategy game. Kind of think of it as a more complicated version of Risk. That you're playing PvP. I really enjoy it. Um, and I highly recommend you go check it out. Nice. Uh, my off the pod activity. I saw Thor: Love and Thunder last week. Uh, great movie. It's a little too short, but uh, it was still really good. Two post credit scenes, just so you know. Okay. And I guess the other thing was, uh, I was the best man at my best friend's wedding this weekend. So that was uh, just a great time. So shout out to Justin. And uh, yeah, that was just yeah, it was an awesome time. Nice. Um, for myself, I just wrapped up season three of the boys. Um, yeah, it has been, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, really good show. I'm excited to see what's been going on with uh, the animated series that they have. Oh, and, diabolical. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is that I like hopping on TV show trends late because that means I have a ton of content to binge and I'm kind of through all of it. And that makes me a little sad. That's fair. I'm sure we can recommend some to you because. We we've got our own ideas, but yeah. Say start Umbrella Academy, or what did I just start? Uh, I can't remember. But yeah, Umbrella Academy. You'd like that one. Um, I would recommend Van Helsing, but that's just me. Or what'd be another good one? Mine Hunter. You haven't seen that. That's a really good series. Um, but yeah, I think that concludes the pod. Uh, if you, you know, thank you very much for listening. Um. Once again, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at True North CF Pod and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Spotify. Or not Spotify, on Facebook, sorry. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. And I plug the socials, I plug where you can listen. I think that wraps everything up. Once again, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Mike Schwann. This is a True North Canadian Football Podcast signing off.